Hey everyone, this is Dave Menachetti from Y&T, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Turn it up. Hi, this is Candace Knight from Blackmore's Night, and you're here with John, listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, this is Alexia from Children of Bottom, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. Hello and welcome to episode 203 of Iron City Rocks. I'm your host, John, coming to you from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best hard rock, heavy metal, and blues music talk on the net. Episode 203, we are joined by Children of Bodom vocalist and guitarist Alexi Lejo. Uh, if you've ever caught the band, a very entertaining uh, death metal band, but uh, very approachable as far as death metal bands go. So we're going to talk to him in just a moment. Also joining us on the show from... Steven Adler's newest band, just simply titled Adler. We have Lonnie Paul, who is a guitarist, uh, joining us on the line. They had originally been scheduled to come into Pittsburgh and also all across the Midwest and uh, East Coast. They were going to do some touring, but unfortunately Steven uh, had to go back into rehab, so the tour has been postponed. Uh, but they've got a great record out, so it was still really cool to get to talk to Lonnie about it. So what we're going to do, we're going to play you something from Children of Bodom, who have been uh, known throughout their career doing very creative cover songs. We're going to play a little bit of one of those for you. We're going to talk to guitarist, vocalist, founder uh, Alexi Lejo about the band's newest record, which just came out this week. I'm good. You know, just having a promo day here in LA and doing a bunch of interviews. Yeah, that's got to be a real fun thing to do. Um, before we get into the new album, uh, one of one of the questions I think a lot of people have had with your career, uh, with the style of, especially your style of guitar playing, was where you drew your influences. You know, you've been at this now. It's been about 14 years since the first album came out. But you had at a time, you know, a style of guitar that was not incredibly common for other bands in, in that period of time. 
growing up, you know, you're a younger, you know, kind of a younger generation of metal player. Were there particular guys you looked up to along the way? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there were a lot of them. Uh, I'd say, you know, like <clears throat> Steve Vai definitely was one of my, I'm still as like one of my uh, main influences, which is kind of funny because I, mean, I don't really sound like him exactly, but, you know, it, it's, he was definitely like one of the main reasons why I started playing guitar. And uh, then there's like the Aussie guys, you know, like Randy Rhodes, Jake Lee, Zach Wilde. Um, and there's like, you know, Ingram Momsen, like back in the day, I listened to him uh, a lot. Uh, Paul Gilbert, you know. So I mean, there's ton of ton of guys out there, you know. Mostly, mostly from the '80s, I guess, you know. So, uh, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, you were kind of, I think, one of the first people, you know, to kind of merge, you know, a lot of that '80s kind of guitar pyrotechnics, for lack of a better term, uh, with some more modern, you know, death metal kind of sound. Um, was was that a easy transition to make? Did it kind of flow naturally for you, or was that kind of the way you were it was just like the most natural thing for me to do really because i i mean i had grown up like I, I grew up with a lot of like hair metal and stuff like that you know like when i was like super young because my older sister she was listening to bands like skid row and guns and roses and poison and whatnot you know like the whole thing and and uh you know so you know i was uh i was really you know and i still am into those bands and then, you know, then I got more into, like, harder stuff, like, just, like, Metallica and Anthrax, and then I got into Civil Chair and Slayer, and then and eventually I got into Death and Black Metal. But, the, you know, the 80s metal thing was still there in the back of my head, though, you know, like, and as far as... Because, yeah, I mean, like, like you said, I guess it was pretty uncommon back in the day to have guitar leads and riffs like that in, like, death metal music in general. And to me, it was just weird, and I want that—that's exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to combine those, those two, and uh, you know, yeah, and put them together really. And and uh, and so it was a natural thing for me to do, because cause, uh, even though I was still listening to black metal, uh, I was still into the '80s guitar thing, like, and I was still practicing a lot. So, yeah, yeah. It was interesting you mentioned Ingve Mountain, because you know when you listen to. Children of Bodom, I think one of the things that, that I find fascinating is how prominent uh, the keyboard is in the sound. And, and Ingbe was the guy, you know, I kind of think of that as Deep Purple. Uh, um, did you draw, did you listen to much Deep Purple in, in your formative years? Well, actually, it, I, I discovered Ingbe Momsen before Deep Purple, you know. So it's like, I, I know that, you know, basically that's where he got the whole keyboard uh, guitar uh, dual thing, like, you know, and, and like the, the unison thing and stuff, you know, but to me, you know, like, cause, you know, I was an 80s kid, you know, so I mean, I, I basically, I was into, like, I, I learned, I learned to appreciate Deep Purple much later on. Yeah, that's a, it's funny how many people did that, they learned about, uh, you know, Richie and John Lord going backward from guys like King Bay yeah. and stuff like that, but, um, yeah, you guys do kind of channel that spirit, and some of the you know amazing kind of dual leads remind me of a Blackmore and a John Lord. Um, the new album uh, this year uh, going to be coming out in June. You want to talk a little bit about you know where that's gone stylistically and directionally? Um, well, yeah, it, it's a uh, it's it's really hard for me to analyze my own music, really, but from what I've heard. So far, uh, it, it's like a lot of people have said that it has a lot of elements from the early Chono Bottom era, like the first three albums. And 
you know, I guess I'm, you know, I guess they're referring to like stuff like Hate Breeder and and uh, Follow the Reaper, and <clears throat> I mean, to me, I guess now when I'm listening to it, you know, it makes sense, and, and uh, you know, I, I mean, I can hear that, but you know, it wasn't it wasn't like planned or it wasn't thought out before I started writing the music, you know, I just really it really just came out naturally that way. Um, so, you know, so yeah, but I guess there's, you know, old school uh, elements in there, you know, old school COB elements in there, but also, you know, new stuff and, and uh, you know, a lot of, you know, things that we haven't really, that we haven't had before. You know, we have like the fastest song and the slowest song in the history of the band on that same record, you know, so I mean, there's definitely uh, a lot of new stuff in there too. Push me on both. Now, if you write... Um a lot before you go into the studio? Do you do a lot of pre-production, or do you just kind of let it go when the tape machines are rolling? Uh, well, I mean, everything's always written before we hit the studio. That's how we roll. So, every, like, we don't we don't usually... I mean, of course, you know, little things, little details, they change here and there, but, but basically everything's everything's uh, finished and, and uh, you know, written before we hit the studio. Now, um... Do you write as a band, or do you do most of me being the vocalist and the guitar player? Do you do most of the writing, or do you guys kind of all work in a collaborative way? Um, well, I write everything, and we basically just put the songs together as a group. So we do the arrangements together, but uh, I do all the writing, though. Uh, as far as, you know, when you're in the studio as a guitarist, I mean, are you uh, uh, the style of just let it fly, and you kind of go with the first takes? Kind of stuff, or are you a more meticulous kind of, you know, thirty takes punching in and stuff like that? It depends, really. You know, I, I I usually I like to keep it as fresh as possible. You know, so I mean, of course, it's always better to have it on the first couple of takes. You know, no matter what you're playing, but of course, you know, if you can't get it down, you know, I mean, I, I can't leave any, I can't leave any mistakes in there either. You know, so I mean, or things that would bother bother me later on. So, I mean, of course, you know, I'm willing to do as many takes as, you know, are required. And, you know, the same thing with solos, too. You know, sometimes, you know, I got, like, you know, I come up with, uh, with let's, let's say I come with a fast-picking thing or something like that, and it might take an hour or two for me to get it down, but I will, you know, I will keep doing it until I, I do get it down and... and uh, because it's you know it's really important to me. I mean, I couldn't live with the fact that there's something on the albums that you know, it is not played correctly. You know, that would just kill yeah. me. drive you nuts. Now, in the studio, mm -hmm. do you tend to play your ESPs, or are you one of those guys who like to you know play around with different guitars and amps and stuff like that in the studio? Oh, <clears throat> uh, I played I played everything with the ESPs for sure, um, but I did switch amps, <clears throat> which is something that I haven't done in like. Well, forever, basically, because I've I've recorded everything uh, through uh, this Lee Jackson preamp since like since Hate Breeder actually, and uh, this time around I just wanted to have a bigger, bigger guitar sound, you know, with low, you know, more low end and stuff like that. So I, I went through a crap lot of amps, you know, I tried different things and I ended up uh, playing everything through a Marshall head. So um, that was uh, that was a different, that was a new thing for me too, you know. Yeah, that, that is, uh, you know, it's, you hear a lot of guys who will, like, try different guitars, different pickups, and all kinds of stuff, so it's, it's cool to see a guy who will stick with his ex. Uh, as far as the you know, guys are going to be doing, a, obviously, the Mayhem Festival, um, do you want a little talk? Have you done big festivals like that in the U.S. before? 
Not in the U.S., no, never. So, I mean, that's like, you know, the mayhem is first, that sort of thing for us, for sure. Yeah, I figured that was good. You know, I remember about two or three years ago, you guys did the tour of Black Label Society, which was, uh, you know, smaller, but, you know, in the same kind of vein. But, yeah. you know, these things are off the charts as far as the U.S. and concert draws. Um, yeah. it, I'm assuming Children of Bodom have done quite a bit of these type of festivals in the, in the U.K. and places like that. Oh yeah, like you know, just the European summer festivals. They, they, I mean, they're like off the hook, man. I mean, they're, they're, they're just crazy. And uh, yeah, we've we've done a lot of them. And well, this, I mean, this time around, of course, you know, most of the summer is going to be mayhem. But we're still going to do um, some stuff in Germany and uh, Finland, and I'm not sure. I think France as well. But uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I think it would be a great opportunity. You know, I think a lot of people uh, still think of, the, you know, Children of Bodom as kind of the new kids on the block, even though, like I said, you've been at this now 14 years since yeah. the first release. Uh, and in America, for all our faults, you know, we're kind of slow to adopt new bands, so it's great. Uh, you know, this year's package with Mayhem has got a lot more uh, new blood. You know, where last year they had Motorhead and Anthrax and stuff like that. This year they're kind of putting a fresh coat of paint on stuff, so it'll be great to see you guys. Uh, do you have plans on touring the U.S. outside of Mayhem, or is that uh, maybe 2014? I'm sorry, can you repeat that? Do you plan on playing any like solo shows in the U.S. You know, on off days or oh. anything like that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of off days on that tour, so uh, we're trying to do as many as possible. I'm not sure how many. Um, how many we're gonna do yet? But we're gonna do some with uh, Amona Marth at least, and uh, that should be pretty brutal. Yeah, yeah, should be cool. And you know, we've we've been touring with those guys like so many times, so we know each other pretty well. So it'll be fun, that's for sure. Yeah. Now, any uh, quirky cover songs on this this particular album, or any uh, you know kind of extended bonus editions or anything like that? Yeah, of course. You know, we're gonna have the dumbass covers. You know, <laughs> that's you know. There has to be one. So this time around, you know, we uh, we did a uh, cruel summer by Banana Rama, <laughs> and we did, yeah, it's dude, yeah, but it's it'll be funny. It, it's cool too. It's a cool cool cover. And, yeah, uh, are there? Yeah, we got. Uh, I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah, we got sleeping in my car. Yeah, sleeping in my car by Roxette. Okay. And uh, one for the Japanese edition is the is a loudness song called I think it's called Rock and Roll Crazy Nights or something. Oh so, yeah, It'd be great to hear a loudness song. Uh, are, do you guys have as much fun recording those as they sound like? Do we have what? Are they as much fun to record as they sound like you guys are having? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean that's why we that's why we keep doing it because it's just so much fun, really. And and uh, you know. There's always a need for uh, bonus tracks and stuff like bonus material, and so yeah, it's a lot of fun for us to do do the covers, and that's why you know we choose to do like not not necessarily always like pop songs, but you know just something different from metal, because you know if we would just always cover Slayer or Judas Priest, you know it would be like it would be like you know whatever it's it's already a metal song, so for us you know it's just like so much more challenging and so much more fun to do something like Bananarama and just kind of dress it up in metal and, and uh, you know, try to make it actually sound cool, you know. 
Yeah, I, I think when when you did the Britney Spears song, it really said something. You, you took a song that yeah, was like nails on a chalkboard and turned it into you know one of the most played songs on my iPod that year. So that was a great story. Hi, <laughs> right, Alexa. Yeah. I want to thank you uh, so much for coming on the show. It's been really really cool talking with you. Have you ever listened to an album and thought to yourself, "Man, I could do so much better than that." Well, here's your chance. My name is Sue, and I've decided to write my next album live and online at RageAndApathy.com. So come on over, leave me a comment, and tell me what you think about the album and where you think it should go. And as a bonus for you Iron City rockers out there, I will give you an exclusive copy of the first song as soon as I get it finished. So stop on over to RageAndApathy.com and join my madness. Queens of the Stone Age are back. On tour in support of their new album, Like Clockwork. Available for pre-order now. Queens of the Stone Age. Gates open at 6.30 Saturday, September 14th at Stage AE Outdoors. Tickets on sale Friday, June 14th at 10 a.m. at Ticketmaster. Brought to you by Promo West, North Shore, and Coors Light. All right, a big thanks to Alexi Leho for coming on the show again. They have a new album out called Halo of Blood. It was released this week. Uh, it is on Century Media. I'm sure you can get that on Amazon and iTunes and all that stuff. Children of Bodom will be in Pittsburgh in July, uh, but they'll be in your town sometime between now and September. For certain, if you live anywhere near a major city, they are a part of the Mayhem Festival, the Rockstar Energy Drink Mayhem Festival. Uh, which will be coming all across the country with Rob Zombie and Machine Head and, and a whole bevy of bands. But uh, I think Americans um, have come around to Children of Bottom, but a band I think a lot of people should check out. Um, got a lot of, of really cool shred guitar. There's some very cool keyboard in it, uh, which is kind of different maybe for a death metal. Uh, kind of the harsher vocals, but uh, to me almost sound more like a black metal vocal than a death metal vocal but that's just one man's opinion so children of bottom halo of blood out now in century media we're going to turn our attention now to the band adler which is made up of steven adler uh and company i went a chance to interview lonnie paul uh again as i'd mentioned at the top of the show they were scheduled to come into pittsburgh to do a show uh, but unfortunately uh Stephen had to go back into rehabilitation for some substance abuse problems. Uh, so all, all our best uh, and wishes to God, Stephen, for his rehabilitation. Uh, in the meantime, uh, they do have an album out that is fantastic. Uh, some great stuff on it. So we're going to play you a little bit of that album here, and then we're going to get an interview with Lonnie Paul of Adler. Maybe I'm too young to know any better, but I guess I'm just too old to care. I'm waiting on the morning light to clear the air
I'm just too old to care. I'm waiting on the morning light to clear the air. I'm the one that you hated. Ladies and gentlemen, from the Ben Adler, we have joining us Lonnie Paul. How you doing, Lonnie? How you doing, John? Thanks for having me. Doing fantastic. You guys have a uh, a record out, uh, Back from the Dead, and um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the transition. You were one of one of the band members who kind of made the transition from Adler's Appetite into the Ben Adler, and, and maybe start with what was kind of the the drive to to change the name of the band. Was it a shift creatively? Or maybe just trying to break from the past a little bit? Well, with Adler's Appetite, uh, it was mostly just playing the old GNR songs. Um, so when we decided to do something new, obviously we needed to rebrand it because we weren't playing the Guns N' Roses songs anymore. So that had everything to do with it. Now, um, were you involved? I mean, were the, the new songs, were these done more in you know the kind of band mentality? Or were these ones you've had... You know, kind of through the past, I know uh, with Adler's Appetite, there was some songwriting going on at different parts with different members and things. Was this all new material? Yeah, uh, all brand new material. In fact, I, d- I didn't write any songs for Adler's Appetite. Michael Thomas wrote uh, the songs that on, on the CD that they released. Okay. They released a, an EP with three or four songs on it, and that was all Michael Thomas and the old lineup with Chips Enough. Right. When I joined, uh, yeah, it was all new stuff that I had written with Jacob. Right. Yeah, and I think that's one thing I think that uh, is kind of exciting about this is it, it seems more at this point to be a, a full-fledged band. You know, you guys have got, uh, you know, kind of new blood in there uh, and a solidified lineup, which is which is great. Uh, Lonnie, can you give us a little background on you? Like, what, what were you doing prior to your involvement with Stephen? Uh, well, as most musicians, I was in 100 different bands uh, mm-hmm. locally here in Los Angeles. Just looking for that big break, and um, yeah, and then I got the call from Michael Thomas, who was the old guitar player from Adler's Appetite. Uh, him and I were in a band together some years back, and uh, he basically asked me if I would play guitar for this tour that they, this up and coming summer club tour that they had going on, and I was thrilled to get the call, and so I went in and, and we did it. Two weeks later, we were on the road, and, and here you are. Even, and, yeah, exactly. There we go. Um, Excuse me. Now, obviously, the the tour for the summer got a little derailed uh, with Stephen, you know, kind of trying to get healthy. Um, do you guys have kind of a plan in mind right now, or, or are you taking sort of a wait-and-see approach as to how his treatments are going? Well, first and foremost, uh, Stephen's health comes first. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can always reschedule the tour, reschedule shows, but if he's not healthy and then, then what's the point? Sure. So it is kind of a wait, see how he's doing. Uh, 
and, and, and it's all going to be based upon that. I mean, we won't book a show in, in, until we know for certain he's going to be fine. Because, um, like I said, his health comes first. Absolutely. Now, um, do, you, do you have any kind of timeline for that, or is that just sort of a yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll see. I, I, I wish, yeah, I wish I could give you a more definite answer, but it's all based on how he's doing. I'd rather have a, you know, on the outside, even if it takes a year. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, his health comes first. Absolutely. Now, um, am I correct? There were some kind of so some guest musicians on the record. I mean, obviously, this was produced by um, Jeff Pilson, correct? Yes, Jeff Pilson produced it and also played bass on it. Oh, okay. Uh, also co-wrote two songs with us. Okay. He wrote uh, the title track, uh, Back Dead, with us, and he also wrote uh, another version of The Truth, I believe. And uh, Splash um, played guitar on uh, Just Don't Ask. He played the lead uh, in that song and then some textured guitar at the end of the song. And also uh, John Five played on a track called uh, uh, Good To Be Bad. He played the solo and also some textured stuff. Right. Is John Five a scary in person? His guitar playing as he is when you see him on record and video. I mean, it's just nuts the things the man seems to do. Oh yeah. I mean, he played the lead. Uh, I mean, he's, he's such a perfectionist. He came in the nicest guy in the world. Set up. Mm. Okay, I'm ready to go. We press. Uh, Jeff pressed play and record and and a minute later, or thirty seconds later, when the solo was done, it was it was perfect. In fact, we said, you can go home if you want, but since you're here, maybe yeah. just do another take with a little variation at the end, and that's exactly what he did. Uh, and then he says, you know, if, if you want me to do some other stuff. So we said, sure, let's let's roll with the, the song at the beginning. And I'm glad we did because um, cause that opening eerie sound is him. So the whole song has him all the way through it. In fact, he even turned to one of us and said, hey, does anybody have a quarter? So I'm thinking... So he's he's charging us a quarter to do the track. <laughs> so he, he grabs the quarter and he starts scraping it against the strings and making this weird sound. And I mean that guy can get the, the craziest, most original sound out of a guitar that I, I've ever seen anybody do. Yeah, it's it's interesting with him because I, I think you know he he's been through so many different recordings, uh, but I think he's still. You know, other than pure guitar, is still sort of a, a hidden gem. Uh, I, w- I was so thrilled in the new Rob Zombie album. There's some like sweeping arpeggios and things like that that you don't get to hear him do with Rob. So hopefully that'll uh, you know cast a light on it. such an amazing talent. It was cool. Um, how how was working with Jeff? I, I you know we just had a chance to talk to George Lynch not long ago with the, the TNN project, which also involved Jeff, and I had an opportunity to speak with a. Uh, a gentleman from Foreigner who worked with Jeff, so his name comes up quite a bit. Um, how, how was the process of Jeff, the producer? Uh, Jeff is a dream producer. Uh, I had known him for a little while before working with him, and I, I had no idea. You know, I, I was a big fan of the doc and stuff, so immediately I, I was a fan. But uh, I had no idea that uh, that he was such an incredible producer, songwriter, had great ideas, even. Uh, the ideas that we thought were good going in, he just simply made better. Even mm-hmm. chord changes, uh, uh, the, the phrasing of the chords, even solo lines. You know, I would go for some solo lines, and he would go, "How about just bending this a little bit longer, shaking this note?" You know, just all these little things that make the record great. He's uh, and he's so patient. You know, he it didn't matter if you needed to take it 20 times. He was just right there with a positive attitude, just 
whenever you get it, we get it, you know? Yeah, yeah. There's a guy who obviously has he's done it. I mean, he's been there and, uh, you know, has, has been making great music for God, close to 30 years, as painful as that is to say. But um, Honestly, you would you would never guess it. He doesn't seem... He seems as fresh as a 13-year-old kid discovering mm-hmm. for the first time. I mean, he is just basically as excited as, as can be when it comes to, to making music. I've never seen anything like it. He was more excited than we were at times. Yeah. And, and we fed off that, and it just made the whole experience really nice. Now, um, when you guys made the transition from, from the Appetite to, to Adler, um, did you guys have kind of a plan in mind, or did you do auditions for, for singers and bass players, or how did you kind of round out the lineup? Well, to be honest, I, I, I'm not sure that uh, quote-unquote transition is, is the proper word. Uh, okay. I, I joined Adler's Appetite and did one summer tour. We came back, and Stephen basically says, I'm, I'm, I'm done doing all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to start a new band with Lonnie, let everybody go but me. Uh, so I kind of feel like we just started fresh and started okay. transition. And uh, and as far as auditioning, we did not audition anybody. Uh, we were looking at a couple different singers, but we never really got them in a room and talked to them. Um, I was out one night. Uh, I'm sure by now everybody knows the story, but I was out at the Key Club one night, and I ran into the, the gentleman who produced, uh, who mixed our record, Jay Rustin. And um, uh, I asked him if he knew any singers because we were looking for a singer. And he said, I, I know a guy that I think would be perfect. His name is Jacob Bunton. And he introduced me to Jacob that night, who happened to also be there at the Key Club. And I knew just after 30 seconds talking to Jacob, I'm like, this is the guy. He's a superstar. So yeah. I introduced uh, him and Steven uh, a, a day later. And, and and we just knew. we did uh, The first time we played together, other than uh, Jacob and I writing some songs together, uh, was was in the studio, in the recording studio. And then uh, basically the same thing happened with Johnny. We were looking for a live bass player after the record was recorded, um, and I had invited Johnny over to my house, and uh, knowing that Stephen was going to be there as well, and we were all sitting around in the office where I have some instruments hanging on the wall, and Johnny picked up a bass um, and started playing, and, and Stephen turned to me and goes, that's our bass player, and I I, I said, I knew you would think that way just as soon as you met him. So awesome. that's all there was to that. Yeah, I keep it uh, pretty easy, you know, if you're able to do it that way without it. You know, because I imagine if Stephen had, you know, put an ad somewhere that said auditioning vocalists, you'd have people coming out of the woodwork, you know, which is can yeah, be kind of daunting because it's personality and, and how long, how well you get along that, that makes such a big difference. That, that's everything to do with any band. Yeah, I, I don't. They overlook that, and, and later on down the line, there's problems because you didn't get to know the person, and it's always personality. It's, it's I mean, how hard is it to play twelve notes? You know. Everybody yeah. Well, yeah. Plus, I mean, I don't think people give a lot of you know when when you're in a bus making the drive from Toledo to to Baltimore, you know, in, in the middle of the night, and you've got to live with the guy. That's I think, uh, you know, that's a huge consideration how well you can get along with the guy you know so that's awesome so you guys the album is out uh is available now back from the dead um and then you guys are you doing some writing you know while you're on this this break right now with you you and jacob anything you know for a second record in the works well we're always writing um i'm not sure if it's going to make uh 
I, I don't know that we're specifically writing for the second record, uh, but as writers, we, we will always write. You're right. Awesome. Well, Lonnie, I want to thank you for taking the time, uh, and I am certain uh, we've got a venue that uh, I'm sure the moment uh, Stephen is back and you guys are ready to hit the road, there's a venue in town that will we'll scarf up your booking agent's phone call in a heartbeat, so we'll look forward to seeing you down the line, man. Thank you very much, John. The most infamous shock rockers have united. Alice Cooper. Marilyn Manson. The Masters of Madness Tour. Gates open at 6 p.m. June 23rd at Stage AE Outdoors. Tickets are on sale now at all Ticketmaster locations of the Stage AE box office. Alice Cooper. Marilyn Manson. Brought to you by Promo West North Shore and Coors Light. All right, big thanks to Lonnie Paul. Um, that track you heard going into that was called The One That You Hated. Uh, that's from the album Back From The Dead, which is available now. Uh, as we talk about, hopefully, uh, Stephen's able to get things working uh, personally, uh, certainly more importantly than professionally, uh, to get back uh, life back together and get this band out on the road. A fantastic record. Um, if you get a chance, it's on Amazon, etc. Uh, and a big thanks to Lonnie for coming on the show, uh, talking to us about it. So check that out. All right. We'd like to invite you to check us out at ironcityrocks.com. You'll find links to Facebook there which is facebook.com forward slash iron city rocks twitter.com forward slash iron city rocks and uh some other social media sites as well uh we're constantly putting uh concert photos and new content out there um you know several times a week so we invite you to check out the website if you have not subscribed on itunes we urge you uh, to do that any feedback on itunes would be appreciated or you can send feedback to re- directly to us iron city rocks at gmail.com also, we urge you to check out heavymetalbookclub.com or go to iTunes and search for Heavy Metal Book Club. It's a new sister podcast of Iron City Rocks. Uh, we just put out a new episode there with an interview with author D.X. Ferris, who is from Pittsburgh, ironically, uh, but that show is not uh, at all tied to Pittsburgh, uh, just a coincidence. Uh, he is an author, and he wrote a really cool book, uh, really going into great detail about Slayer's Reign in Blood. Uh, the book is called Slayer's Reign of Blood, 33 and a Third, which is a series of books on different classic albums. So uh, Aaron took the opportunity to talk to him at length. Um, it it kind of struck me as odd. We've had over 200 episodes of Iron City Rocks, and I don't think we've actually talked much about Slayer at all. So uh, it was kind of cool. It's, it's a 60-minute podcast, uh, easy to listen for those of you who are uh, got a long commute to work or something. Uh, you can get your Slayer on heavymetalbookclub.com and it's on Facebook and Twitter etc as well also our brothers at castironring.com a group of podcasts that Iron City Rocks and Heavy Metal Book Club belong to uh, consider it like the union uh, brotherhood kind of the local metal workers 666 uh, a group of podcasts that are, are, are primarily about hard rock and metal and uh Aaron does a great podcast on music, gear, and recording and stuff as well. So if you're interested in programs like Iron City Rocks, check out castironring.com uh, for more great content. So until next time, we want to thank you for listening. <laughs>